Hi, this is the Organizational Success Academy from the Oxford Review, bringing you the very latest research in leadership, management, organizational development, design, transformation and change, human resources and human capital, organizational learning, coaching and work psychology from around the world to make you the most up-to-date and knowledgeable person in the room. Hi, welcome back. Uh, and in this podcast, we've got uh, unusually a team of researchers and we're looking at the differences between digital transformation and IT-enabled organisational transformation. And we're going to be having a look at what they are, uh, how they're different and what that actually means for organisations because it has quite, a, quite an important impact on organisations. So team, um, would you like to just go through, uh, quickly introduce yourselves, who you are, um, what um, organisations you're working in or about to work in, and uh, we'll take the questions from there. Okay, very good. My name is Laurie Wessel. I'm uh, currently a professor at the University of Bremen, and I'm about to transfer to the university at Frankfurt Oder, the European University at the newly instituted European New School for Digital Studies, which is an interdisciplinary institute studying digital transformation. And um, most of my work relates to digital transformation of organizations and society, particularly with a focus on digital healthcare. Cool. Oh, really interesting. Great. And good luck in your new job. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Who next? Yeah. Hello, um, my name is Abayami Bayeri. I'm an assistant professor at the Department of Digitalization at Copenhagen Business School. So my research kind of looks at um, digital transformation and disruptive innovations. So I look at disruptive innovations as forces and things happening that um, steer organizations towards digital transformation. And I look at digital transformation as ways in which they respond to the shifts um, that they face in their industries. Oh, interesting. Really interesting. A pleasure to have you on. Thanks, Abby. Thank you. So I'm uh, Roxana Orojanu Tade, and uh, I am Associate Professor in Information Systems at uh, Toulouse Business School in the south of France. And um, I'm interested in digital transformation and digital innovation in the healthcare sector. And I'm working also on this area um, on a new topic related to IT, consumer IT and uh, consumerization uh, about technologies and uh, practices related to that. Fantastic. Thanks, Roxanne. I appreciate that. Hi, I'm Jong-Yok Cha, a lecturer in information systems at Westminster Business School at University of Westminster. Um, Most of my research works are in the area of organizational aspects of information systems and project management, particularly focusing on organization transformation and benefits realization. And I do teach some relevant themes like digital innovation, disruption, and project and program management. And then finally me, I'm, my name is Tina Blegen Jensen. I'm a professor at the Department of Digitalization at CBS, the same place where AB is. Um, and my research focuses on the organizational and managerial issues related to the implementation and use of information systems. And I am um, 
running a research theme on digital transformation of work. So most uh, recently, I've been um, looking into how managers, what they should do and not do when they try to keep track of their employees via new tools such as uh, people analytics. So that's what I'm currently working on. Ah, right. Really interesting. So you and your team uh, have recently published a really very interesting paper about unpacking the difference between digital transformation and IT-enabled organizational transformation. Um, What I'm interested in is what led up to the paper and what inspired the work into the differences between these two, digital transformation and IT-enabled transformation. Uh, organizational transformation? Yes, so I can provide a bit of the background story here um, because we all met for the first time uh, in 2017 uh, at a paperthon event at the most prestigious conference we have in our field called the International Conference on Information Systems. And it was held in Seoul in South Korea. And a paperthon in our field is like a hackathon where the goal is to facilitate uh, research collaborations, but also to help participants develop their research ideas. And for the most promising projects at that Paperthon event to accelerate a publication review process. So uh, at this event, participants, they join if they have an interesting research idea, if they have some extensive data material, if they have some valuable theory insights. So all of the the other co-authors, they they signed up for this event because they had one of these aspects in their luggage, so to say. I was a mentor. I was serving as a mentor at this event. And so uh, what was interesting here is that I teamed up with these amazing scholars and uh, we started uh, talking about their research ideas. And within two days, it materialized into a very nice topic that they were able to pitch at the final day of this uh, event. And they ended up, I think there were more than 20 plus teams um, oh. of authors working together and they ended up uh, we ended up among the, f- the four finalists pitching the idea and then getting into this uh, sort of uh, occasion to have an ac- accelerated review process uh, in our one of the most prestigious journals in our field the journal of the association on information systems mm-hmm. so this was kind of the the event leading up to this and and now from this event we had an extended abstract and and we were able to present at the final day of the conference what the research idea was. But now to enter into a journal with a with a submission, we had to really do a lot of work, uh, hard work to uh, sort of get that idea materialized. So what we did is we met up in uh, Copenhagen sometime after the, the conference to uh, to have a two-day workshop where we really worked on, on, on the ideas and uh, the, the two cases we have in this study. And that's where we decided that Laurie would become the lead author so taking the lead in this, because we, we are a lot of authors, so someone has to take the lead. So, I'm, so I think, Laurie, maybe you would want to sort of also expand a bit on this. Yes. Yeah. So that was takes us back to late January 2018, where we um, decided that there will be one lead author who then was in charge of basically also running the project, setting schedules, et cetera, et cetera. And um, 
the particular focus of the paper emerged throughout several rounds of the review process, but at the core, it, there was a concern in our author team that in that digital transformation really matters for basically every organization out there currently. And speaking to executives and also reading the literature a bit, it becomes very clear that most organizations struggle very, very heavily with the implications of digital transformation and actually managing it effectively. So better understanding how this can be managed and what is special about it compared to other transformations, I guess, is something that we as authors thought would be really, really valuable, both in theory and in practice. And then when we actually allow ourselves to look a little bit into existing theory, then we will see that transformation is a topic that is has a rich history. And even if you look at famous transformation cases in business like Netflix or Nokia, um, these are businesses that have changed their value delivery and value capture several times uh, in their history. So um, transformation as such shouldn't be new to, to, to practitioners or neither theorists, basically. And this is what we put into the paper and saying, look, we, we have decades of research on transformation Yet still, it seems that practitioners out there and theorists alike don't really understand what is special about digital transformation. So we started out with comparing this fri or, or this friction where we say we have a we have a current transformation that we're observing, and something seems to be special since otherwise there wouldn't be that headache out in, in business practice. And then we looked at two cases and tried to pull out what what is what is very, very different between these, between a sort of a classical transformation process and the digital transformation process. Because based on our study, I think we can say that ours is the first empirical study that disentangles these two and offers some valuable insights for practitioners and researchers on how to better manage and understand them. Yes, I've not come across another one. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, that's really useful. Thanks, Laurie. Great. Um, so um, can you just explain briefly what the, the, the study was and what you found? Yeah, so there's two cases that are compared. And um, maybe, Roxana, you can start out with the, with the case we call Alpha. Yes, yes, because uh, I think that we have to underline that uh, we have uh, an empirical research and um, the research was somehow driven by the data, so the empirical uh, cases. So the first case, which we call Alpha, is a French hospital. And um, Alpha's value proposition is to provide healthcare services. So in this hospital, senior executives initiated a new identity climb to transform the hospital in a more digital hospital, meaning achieving a zero paper strategy. More specifically, um, the hospital had implemented an electronic medical record, which is similar to uh, ERP, electronic resources planning, for patients' files. 
So all patients' data needed to be recorded in the electronic medical record. This was also the case of radiology images brought by patients when coming for consultation. Secretaries were in charge to process these images, which means to fulfill several tasks for every image. This was felt as an imposition to their work practices as they lacked clear rules and learning to do them accurately. Recording these images was very important for doctors to make a diagnosis. Finally, senior executives carried out training workshops and tutorials for secretaries. We call this section a reconciliation. The outcome of this process is the emergence of reinforced organizational identity, which means that it happens beyond the senior executives' claims and plans. Uh, moreover, technology supported here the existing value proposition. So this case uh, is quite different from the beta case. So maybe, maybe you can talk about the beta case. All right, thanks, Roxana. So if I may just start from where Roxana um, kind of stopped. So what we saw in the alpha case is a, is a case of an organization that's taking technology and making this claim that they are transforming themselves. But then in the better case, we were looking at a manufacturing comp company that's also having a claim that they are transforming themselves and technology is playing a role in it. But we now found out that there are fundamental differences between these two cases. One, in the case of Beta, Beta is a manufacturing company. Um, their value proposition has always been that they enable their customers to get the machines running. So their value proposition is really tied to the hardware. Um, but then they found themselves um, competing with startups. And the startups were offering similar value propositions um, with um, better. And it was just a different, it was just different competition um, metrics that they brought into the industry. And this really challenged um, better. So better had to rethink themselves. Um, and two things, so they had this competition coming from the software angle, but then they also noticed that there are new technologies emerging that could actually enable them to do different things. They had IoT, they had 3D, and in, importantly for them, they already had a software that they had developed in-house, but this software is just something they bundle with their hardware. So it's not really the big deal. It's just, it's just a peripheral thing that accompanies the hardware that's been sold. <laughs> So the transformation that actually happened, we observed the company that's at its core as a manufacturing company gradually morphing into a tech company, a software company. Now, this shows that the, the, the transformation that we are witnessing here is actually a fundamental change in the identity of the organization just beyond using it, plugging in a technology to do what they've typically done before better. 
um, we also notice that the way they leverage technology is such that it's sh- it shifted their value proposition from just being a company that says, oh, we can let your machine spindle run every 24-7 to a company that says, hey, we can be your digital partner. We know you're also thinking about digital technology, but we can be the one that um, guide you as you go along that journey. So this kind of shows the difference between the two cases um, that we studied. Why are the perceptions of the organizations, you know, its leaders, managers, and the people so important here? Okay, so, uh, yeah, um, I would say because transformation agenda can influence different level of organizations and they're interplaced differently. Uh, we found some evidence in our data set that sometimes top executives lack of understanding about the change and impact of digital transformation in work practices could alter the trajectory of planned transformation activities. <clears throat> For example, new identity claims led by top management could give rise to managers or people's impositions and reconciliations. Mm. So it is critical to be fully aware of what is meant by their own digital transformation initiatives across the whole organizational levels. Um, finally, in addition to that, I wish to highlight that it is also important to recognize digital transformation has become a proactive element to lead or redefine the nature of business organizations compared to our previous experience, such as digital technologies um, as simply a reactive element to support predefined business agenda. So um, it's one of the many interesting things that comes out of your paper, and there's, there's quite a lot actually, is that differentiating between um, IT-enabled organizational transformation and digital transformation is related to organizational identity and um, a degree of redefining value proposition. Is the differentiation in fact a question of business model and value proposition definition rather than just technology application it has a lot to do with um, business model i would say business model redefinition actually because when you look into uh, cases from the corporate world where you see digital transformation as a major challenge to companies take a classical car company like mercedes-benz currently going through or or expected to to go through a major shift in production technology and business model, Um, it is clearly linked to the idea that such companies need to find novel business models largely based in in, in services and um, continuous revenue, models of continuous revenue generation. And I think this is an aspect that many executives out there are fully aware of. We need new business models. When I talk to practitioners, this is one of the big topics they they consider. However, what our study brings to the fore, and this is where the identity comes in, that when I redefine my business model fundamentally, then I often, and this is something that on the senior executive level I sometimes find is is less on the radar. I also redefine what this organization is and what its self-understanding is. So Mm. when you look at the shift from a classical car company to a mobility provider, 
that's quite a difference, right? That is mainly based on services, less one-off sales, entirely new models of, of selling, of expertise that you need to run the business. And these aspects that you could say are very strategically motivated, when you roll them out in a company, they go to the core of its identity because many employees and, and middle-level middle managers will have particular self-understandings that is their identity and they will have a particular understanding of what the company is that they work for, say uh, an elite firm or, or, or not an elite firm. And uh, this is something that is really, really important to consider because it's all over the place when you look at digital transformation because it's most often companies that completely redefine their value propositions and business models. And that goes along a new identity, but it's something that is really novel based on our study that it demands an important aspect of managerial attention. The relationship there is between the value proposition that I change and the identity that I change and that needs a lot of care to, to to be um, managed during the transformation process. So in our study, we actually found that the work identity of sales professionals was, was linked to a, to a value proposition that management basically had left behind. But you know, it, as they tried to change it, the work professionals were like, whoa, wait a minute, this is, this is not what we stand for. This is not what we do. Mm. Um, we don't really understand why this is happening. So you need to really onboard them and understand within your organization, where's the current identity and what aspects am I changing of that when I formulate a change in the value proposition. So I think this is a very crucial link. Um, and in terms of theory, it sort of bridges strategic management and organizational theory. But it's when you look into the business press and you see the claims that many top managements make about how firms change, how their revenue sources change, how, how this changes, how that changes, I find that basically all over the place. And I think this is why I think it's so important to consider. But is this just kind of semantics? You know, does it really make a difference how people perceive what they're engaged in? It's much more fundamental, actually. It's not only how I perceive what I engage in, it is how I define myself and what I do. So in the area of digital health, you will find, um, and the literature is replete with that, challenges with related to implementation of digital technology that arise because training and education of medical professionals isn't yet adapted to the high level technologies that we have in this industry. So oftentimes you have a very professionally reasoned resistance to that, say, my expertise matters more than what the algorithm says, briefly speaking, uh, yes. or, or, you know, simply speaking. Um, so um, I think it's clearly much more th than semantics because it goes to really to the core of who you define, how you define yourself and what your work is and why it matters. So if you would go back to the example of our, our manufacturing company, um, it was really a challenge for sales personnel who was a very important group within the organization to link these new revenue models that senior management had had to come up with to what they were doing and how they were seeing themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and this is much more than a mere technicality. You actually have to really educate and make and, and promote a different mindset and thereby a different identity. And I think this is something that is 
very, very valuable about the paper and I hope it will inform uh, business practice on a large scale. Oh, sorry, Laurie, if I can just add to this, because I think this is a really important point that you're making. So it's really not just about semantics. Mm. It's really very important that we go out and study the profound implication it has for individuals, groups, organizations, considering what who they think they are and what they do. So if uh, the top management come with a new identity claim saying now we are going to be uh, this and that in the future, well, it's very important that we then also understand what are the implications for the workers and the teams in the organization, how do they understand that new identity? Do they understand it at all? Did, did, did they understand that we are moving in a new direction? And I think that's really the strength with this paper is that we have these very sort of detailed two case studies where we actually go into some depth with understanding what's going on in practice. So the richness of these empirical studies is really important here. And hopefully will be helpful for other uh, when executives read this and then say, okay, am I, how is my organization related to these two cases uh, described here in, in, in much detail in the, in, the, in the article? Yes, I would agree. And it, it, I think the thing that comes across from the two cases for me is that quite starkly is that it changes the narrative. Um, not only for the individuals within the organizations, whether you're in sales or anything else, the kind of stories that they're telling themselves, not only about who they are, but what they're doing and how they're going to do it and how they're going to relate to each other, but also outside. And and it, which is one of the reasons why we've kind of picked on this paper, is that it, it, it's a very, it, it comes across very clearly that that narrative really shifts with things like, you know, whether it's digital transformation or it's just IT-enabled organizational transformation. So what what impact do you think this distinction between digital transformation and IT-enabled organizational transformation actually is going to have for organizations? Yeah, um, basically, such impacts arising from this global paper could be specified by mentioning theoretical contribution, theoretical impacts and practical impact, practical implications. Um, within the theoretical perspective, we empirically disentangle the conceptual similarities and differences between two types of transformation with an emphasis on the process model provided. Yeah. Um, in the process model, the details in both micro and macro levels show how digital digital transformation unfolds over time. For example, in the macro perspective, for example, we began to understand how the relationship between value proposition and organizational identity can clarify the can clarify the difference between two transformations. And as another example, in a micro perspective, we see the interplay of how identity claims expressed by top management could lead to impositions and reconciliations. These are the, the, the examples of theoretical impact. And mm. Roxana, can you elaborate, elaborate the practical element? Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so we'd say 
that practically speaking, uh, we show that uh, digital transformation is not only an issue related to the technology and technology application, but also and especially about strategy and changes in work practices, both on the operational level and on the organizational level. Uh, these two levels are interdependent. So beyond the focus on speed related to digital, digital transformation is a complex and long process. So to succeed, companies have to be aware about these different levels and to be receptive to employees' feedback. They have to facilitate learning and reconciliation actions instead of rigid reaction to people's problems. So in addition, if they want that their company goes digital, managers should carefully consider digital technology in redefining the organization's value proposition and, of course, um, the identity of the company. So we hope, we really hope that our paper will help managers to anticipate of what challenges may arise during their efforts to transform organizations. I think what tends to happen in organizations is they just tend to see digital or technology as a set of tools and that it actually doesn't have any impact beyond that. But what this paper is definitely showing and most clearly, it's having a profound impact on the organization, its direction, the business model and a whole series of other things. So if you were to boil this down now to a few kind of practical takeaways for practitioners, you know, what would they be and how should organizations be doing things differently? So I'll, I'll kind of boil it down to four key points, and this builds on a lot of the things that my colleagues already mentioned earlier. So the first will be um, kind of tailoring the mindset to the specific transformation that you are following. And I use an analogy to bring this um, to, to four. One is if you're doing IT-enabled organizational transformation, I like to think of it as a case of a cob becoming a lion. Now, you're going to get a better, a faster, more efficient entity at the end. Well, if you're doing digital transformation, think about it as um, a larva becoming a butterfly. Now, that's a qualitatively different organization. And by the time you start thinking about your transformations and this light, it just, um, it just your, your conversation, your organization just takes a different direction. And I think this is important. This goes to the value proposition that my colleagues have mentioned, the identity they've mentioned, as well as the inner working of the organization. Number two, technology. Now, the way you view technology, if you're doing IT and um, IT enabled organizational transformation, typically is technology is seen as a facilitator. It just enables you get the transformation done. And you already alluded to that, David. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing digital transformation, technology is not just a facilitator. Technology could also be an outcome. So you see technology as something that might emerge out of the transformation that you're actually doing. Then number three, um, now, there's a saying that with, um, with 
power comes great responsibility. Allow me to kind of rephrase that. So with digital transformation comes great opportunities, but along with that comes great challenges. Now, what I mean with this is that um, now that you have opportunities to um, go to different markets to come up with new offerings, it also expands your competition, right? Because now you're entering other spaces that you may not be familiar with. So the opportunities are there, but then there are challenges. And these challenges also translate to the fourth point. You need to think about new logics. There's a shift in logics if you're doing digital transformation that may just not be compatible with what you're familiar with. And for example, I think one of my colleagues talked about, talked about the salespersons in the better case. These are veterans when it comes to selling hardware. They're just so good at it. But now you're telling them to sell software. And like, they can't even see it. They're used to the bigger, the better. The bigger, the more we can charge. Now you give them a USB disk and tell them to sell it for a million dollars. Like, is this a ripoff? <laughs> so you, it requires a different logic <laughs> in, yes. in the way you think. They're used to, um, in a manufacturing company, they're just used to this waterfall. You plan, pre-plan, and do your project manual. But now it just does not apply to the way you create software. So in a nutshell, um, you're going to need to come up and think about a shift in logic in the way you operate. I really like the, the example that you gave of, of kind of a cub turning into a lion or a larva turning into a butterfly. Um, and, and that's what these technologies are actually doing for organizations that create just having them creates change. But it creates change that's much more fundamental than just having a new tool. But, you know, I suppose if you think about humankind, you know, just becoming like right in the early days of, of humanity, just becoming a, a, a being that is using tools was actually more than just a game changer for that individual. It started a, a, a long series of change for humanity. Right. right. And then those tools started to get more and more different uses. We started to develop that from, you know, just picking up a bone of something and hitting something over the head, maybe, to sharpening sticks, to using flint, to all of these things now start to have a significantly different impact, not only on the tool itself, but also the identity of the person carrying the tool. Because yeah, now I can do different things with those tools and those, those different things mean that my identity as a hunter, as a gatherer, as a whatever it happens to be, now starts to fundamentally shift. Now, this is happening on a much more complex process right. within organizations and right. I, the other thing that I'd, I'd pick up on that, that you've said there that i think is really important for practitioners is that new digital technologies whether they be hardware software whatever they happen to be are actually both creating challenges and opportunities and and they're also because you can't predict the impact of everything they're creating a set of emergent properties now, quite often, organizations aren't sitting back and looking out for the emergent properties because within there, those emergent properties will show us where the opportunities are that are being missed, and a lot of organizations do miss them, but also where new challenges are, both for the organization itself, but also for the industry. And I, I, I think they're kind of critical, and that, that again comes out um, from your paper quite clearly. So, team, <laughs> so what next for you and the team in terms of research? Where, where does all this go? 
Well, to be honest, we haven't met each other after the final version release. Our next step would be to have a pint of beer or a cup of tea in a situation. I like that. <laughs> Disclaimer, the paper was accepted two days before the shutdown began, basically. So that was... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was perhaps a challenge. Yeah, because otherwise there would be um, the big conference coming up in December, but it's all going virtual, so... A personal meeting uh, for that reason has for these reasons haven't happened yet. So I guess what's next? I guess the scholarly speaking. I think a field surrounding the topic of digital transformation is just about to begin to really form, and I think there's many many studies to still to be still to be done. So some aspects are actually dig a little bit deeper into micro levels. Sort of you could have an ethnographic study that looks a at how, say, nurses make sense of sensor-based technologies. Um, when you look into care settings, um, then that is one area that I think is very important because oftentimes managements have particular expectations towards new technologies and then they don't perform. And I think this is one aspect that could be uh, very interesting um, at the micro level. And then, of course, the, the the macro counterpart would be more digital transformation of society. I think there's, um, we see, you know, a wide range of topics going from um, policy issues um, and then to more business-related issues that are con of concern to, to with societal implications. So um, some of my work on digital healthcare looks at uh, caring for persons with dementia at home, so sort of more, more of a societal topic. Um, and I think this is one of the areas where 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 this research could be taken. I, I think that uh, as, as, we, as you can also see, we come from many different places. It's only AB and I who are in the same organization these days. But, but what, so we met kind of accidentally at the Paperthon uh, in 2017. Mm. And we, I think all of us will continue working on some of these ideas. Maybe we'll not work at the whole team together. Maybe we'll sort out and say, let's the two of us work on something that is related to this. But we will all work on something related to digital transformation. So in, in different ways, as Laurie also, also mentioned. So, you, you know, I'm very interested right now in, in putting a, together an article on how to design the digital workplace of the future. And that also comes, a digital workplace comes from digital transformation, but it also requires digital transformation. So, you know, that's how I think all of us will continue along this stream of research and, and bearing in mind our own insights from this study that we really have to be very care careful how we use the different terms because also how we engage with practitioners when we talk mm -hmm. about this, when we um, go and have courses with our executive students or when we, when we do research, we really have to be careful what we are talking about so that we make sure that we are looking into the, mm -hmm. the, the, the right phenomena but also draw the, 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 the implications that need to be drawn. So, for example, Roxana and I are already working on a yes. sort of follow-up study where we look at the use of WhatsApp by doctors within a hospital and the management and policy implications that has because what these guys use WhatsApp for is sharing of patient pictures. And that's, of course slightly a problem for data security and other hospital policies. And then we look at how, 
I mean, and it's an aspect related to digital transformation. You bring in consumer technologies into the workplace and you use them because they're convenient. But then maybe that's something that from an organizational viewpoint could create a lot of problems. So we look a bit into how can you manage this tension between um, the digital transformation that we basically all want, but then we have these WhatsApps of the world that we didn't really mean when we say we wanted it. <laughs> um, and that looks at managing this tension. Yes, that's really interesting. Yeah, and, and lots of organizations are using consumer technology, mm. um, you know, Slack and you yeah. know, WhatsApp and various other bits and pieces, and it, it, it does have an impact. But it, and, and not only in terms of social, legal and things like that, but also just, in again, with everything that you were talking, it, it becomes an enabler for other things as well. Um, and, and certainly in terms of technology as we kind of march into industry 4.0 with ai robotics and things like that that's also changing people's identity how they're interacting at work how isolated they feel how part of it you know organizational commitment and a whole series of other things that start to get attached to all of this how can people find you and how would you like people to contact you? So, so I can be found very soon in the European University via Drina in Frankfurt at the Oder. And the easiest way is to go to the website, europeannewschool.com, spelled in one word. And there's all my contact information. And the easiest way is just to drop me an email. Okay, that's great. Thanks, Laurie. And I can be found at the CBS website. So feel free to either call or send me an email. But uh, I, I can also be found on LinkedIn. So it would be nice if uh, people would link up with me so we could start a conversation there. And then I suggest that if anyone is interested in sort of these digitalization issues and, and discussions, we have also at CBS website a number of executive courses, uh, if you allow to make a bit of publicity that, that, uh, that you know you can look into if you're interested. Uh, some of the courses do run online, so fully online these days, and others are, of course, with the physical meetup. But, but uh, we do have a course uh, uh, catalog there uh, if interested in knowing more about these topics. Yes, yeah, I, I, I think that it's really important for people in well, um, in industry, but in organizations to connect more with universities anyway. And so, very important for us to connect. Well, precisely, yes, it goes yes, both exactly. ways. Yes, we've, we've, um, we've looked at a number of papers that have looked at kind of industry, uh, university collaboration. You know, the knowledge flows are both ways. Uh, yeah. And they're critical yes. for both sides. Yeah, Agreed. Brilliant. Thanks, Tina. Yeah. Happy? All right. Um, so for me, I actually really enjoy speaking with practitioners. I would appreciate the opportunity to have a dialogue with you because I believe we sharpen each other by the time we get engaged in conversations on this topic. And I'm so excited about this thing. So if you want to talk about it, just feel free to reach me on the CBS website. LinkedIn is also an option. Um, but in, in, in general, I'll be very happy to engage in a dialogue. Okay. Um, I, sorry, this is completely unscripted, but um, I just kind of thought about this. W w one of the things that we could do is, is set up a community of practice within our members area. Um, and then if you want to, you can dive in there. We've got a whole load of practitioners, right, from consultants who are doing digital transformation and things through to industry, people in large organizations, banks, 
um, project managers, the whole kind of works, and that that might be an interesting thing Sounds to do. Sounds brilliant. Sounds very good. Yeah. yeah. Very oh, okay. Good. Right. We'll we'll set that up. Uh, I can also be uh, found by the website of my business school, which is not CBS by, but PBS uh, <laughs> Business School. <laughs> And um, I can also be reached by LinkedIn and uh, it would be very, very interesting uh, to have feedback about uh, this podcast and about our paper from practitioners from different sectors. I hope that uh, practitioners will engage a dialogue with us. Uh, yeah, finally, I believe all of our profile and contact information are available on each university website, so including myself. And given that we are living in a very unpredictable situation, email would be the best initial channel to communicate each other at the moment. And in addition to CBS, I'm working in WBS, Westminster Business School. And we'll be, we'll, we'll be launching the new course for industry practitioners focusing on digital business as I'm working in the Center for Digital Business Research. So yeah. if anybody interested in that, that should be a great opportunity. Great. That's really good. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. Um, and, and this has been a fascinating interview with a, with a team and, and so organized. <laughs> Thank you very much for your interest in having us. It's very important for us to, because we talk a lot about how to bridge better to practitioners. Mm. And so have someone like you contacting us and helping us with that, because sometimes we are not as, <laughs> we're not very good at talking in a practitioner language. So I think this is really important. And I, I really appreciate your, all your work and in, in making this link. This is really, uh, from an ac academic point of view, this is really very useful. Yeah, no, I'm pleased. No, I, I, no, I've really enjoyed this. This is great. And we'll, we'll, we'll keep Thank you for listening to the Oxford Review podcast. For free research briefings, audio and video research briefings, research infographics and a whole lot more, visit oxford-review.com. That's oxford-review.com. And please subscribe, rate and review this podcast. It would mean a lot to us to have your feedback so that we can make this podcast even better for you. Mm -hmm.